0: Welcome to Enterprising, a podcast from Enterprise Bank and Trust that's empowering business leaders one conversation at a time. Each week, we'll hear from top business professionals about lessons on leadership and entrepreneurship that they've learned along the way. I'm your host, Alana Mueller, an entrepreneurial executive leader whose primary focus is to connect, inspire, and empower community. We at Enterprise Bank and Trust thank you for tuning in to another episode. Listeners, welcome back to Enterprising Podcast. For almost 20 years, Nina Ratatich was one of the most recognizable faces on Las Vegas television, working as a broadcast journalist on both the NBC and ABC affiliates. After her Emmy-winning career in journalism, Nina transitioned to the business world, leading businesses and nonprofits through enhanced storytelling and external communications. A champion for small business owners, Nina now serves as an EOS implementer, helping entrepreneurs and their leadership teams solve root problems, lead more effectively, and gain traction in their businesses. Nina Raditich, welcome to Enterprising Podcast. Oh, Nina, thanks so much for having me. This is so much fun. Well, I'm delighted you're here. And in fact, to start our conversation, tell us what motivated you to leave the world of broadcast journalism to pursue a career in EOS implementation.
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, that journey would take us hours to talk through. <laughs> But the bottom line is, you know, I pursued broadcast journalism was what I wanted to do since I was five. So I pursued and very few, you know, I felt very fortunate that I had that sort of vision as a youngster. Right. I knew what I wanted to do. And so I experienced that business for 20 years. It was really good to me. And my son was born in 2010, and I had about a year and a half left on my contract at the ABC affiliate. And I knew at that point that I needed to make a change. I wanted the flexibility for my family, and I had some entrepreneurial tendencies that I really wanted to explore. Uh, So I did. I explored becoming the head of a marketing agency. I started my own marketing agency. And, you know, again, I was after the flexibility and the freedom And uh, I found when I left television that I was working harder than I'd ever worked. Uh, right? I mean, there was a huge, right, right, <laughs> right, the dream of entrepreneurship, you know, externally, that was a very successful endeavor. But internally, with where I was in my life, it felt very chaotic, it felt very overwhelming. And what I always tell people is what I would have given to have known about the EOS system then, I had an opportunity around the same time, again, all the decisions I made were about my family and my son and, and time with them. Um, So I had the opportunity to join the leadership team of a mission-driven organization here locally, and they were running on EOS. And so Mm. when I stepped into that business, right, like, and I was... I was recruited as part of their EOS journey. They needed stronger leaders. And so when I stepped in there, I was a little resistant at first, like, what is this EOS? And then I was, it literally was like a light bulb went off. It was like, where has this system been all of my life, right? It was a, a system, a structure, a simple set of tools to basically allow great people to just exponentially increase their impact. And I was hooked. And when we graduated from our implementer, I became sort of the internal EOS champion. I fell in love with the system and I thought, man, I'd really like to share this with other entrepreneurs because it was so transformational for me. And so I chose to do that because people are like, how did you go from news anchor to EOS implementer? But I experienced the power of the system and it was absolutely incredibly
0: transformational for me. Well, okay. So, oh my gosh, so much, so much to unpack there. First of (laughs) all, the fact that you knew from age five that you wanted to be a broadcast journalist, I think is phenomenal. And you actually pursued your dream. And frankly, I always say that people who leverage opportunities as they present themselves are the happiest people, right? And, And even though you could maybe not imagine your life as an EOS implementer back when you were five and wanted to be on television, of course, each step along the way made sense for you you know, all the way from totally. going from television to the marketing agency to the mission-driven organization and then to EOS, uh, because you could actually feel the transformation within that organization, I think is remarkable. And and as somebody myself who, you know, some, I was once described as I'm um, an entrepreneur by habit, I just can't even help myself. I, I think that sometimes <laughs> you do have the tendencies that you're describing. So I wanna talk about EOS implementation a little bit more First, can you talk about what is EOS? What does that stand for? What are the key principles? And and how does the system steer leaders and companies toward growth?
1: Great question. So EOS stands for the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And really, really at its core, it's just a proven process coupled with a simple set of timeless practical tools that allow entrepreneurs to get better at three things. We call those three things vision, traction, and healthy. So vision from the standpoint, getting everybody on the same page with where we're going, how we're going to get there, right? A lot of times that vision's up here in the uh, in the leader's head, right? We get that on paper. Traction from the standpoint of getting everybody in the organization instilling discipline and accountability and structure across the organization so that everywhere you go, people are, are achieving your vision, they're executing on your vision. And then healthy from the standpoint of getting you as leaders to work together as this healthy, cohesive, functional leadership team. Because a lot of times when leaders come together, working as a team (laughs) is not their forte, right? As goes the leadership team, so goes the rest of the organization. And one day you just get to this place where everybody's rowing in the same direction, right? All that human energy is galvanized toward a common goal. Everybody's executing on that vision with discipline, with structure, with accountability. and, And all of your team members are actually a healthy, functional, cohesive team that actually enjoys spending time together. So very simple. It's about managing human energy in an organization. And and like I said, it, it was transformational for me. And it's really, really fun to see the transformations that it's bringing to my clients.
0: Mm. That that's so neat, and and I can actually I can sense the energy coming from you. And it's funny <laughs> I I have the privilege of knowing quite a few EOS implementers. You all sort of share that energy, and so I can actually I can just sense it. I just love it. So bravo to you for finding this and and for taking it to the next the next level. One of the things that in my life has been most important is just this notion of relationship building. And I want to talk about your relationship base and and how the how that has played a, a key role in in your life's journey. So first, talk about how your relationships, your contacts had helped you when you began the transition from broadcast journalism to EOS implementation. And now as a coach and guide for small businesses, how do you leverage and continue to build upon the relationship base that you have? Gosh, it's
1: everything, isn't it? Relationships. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, and, and it has been in every facet of what I've done. It's been about relationships. When you come into a market, a a a new television market, you know, I came to Las Vegas in 1996. I had plans to stay two years and go back to the Bay area where I'm from. And this town just embraced me and the community feel was just amazing. But when you come into a new market, you don't have any contacts right? I didn't have family here. I didn't know anybody here. And part of my job in television news was to create relationships in the community, right? To be able to cultivate stories, to be able to tell people's stories and help really the community. So it started there, right? And it didn't stop as I moved through sort of each phase of my entrepreneurial journey. When I left television news, right, I contacted everybody that had been important to me, shared with them what I was doing, I was lucky enough to have the platform of television to share with people what was next, right? Like very few people have that opportunity. So I was lucky to have that platform to share what what was next for me. And then that relationship building continued in the mission-driven world, right? I was in charge of fundraising. All of fundraising is relationship building. It's not about asking for money. It's about making sure that the donor has a relationship with the organization that they feel like they're making an impact, right? That their priorities are matched with what our needs are. So it continued there. And then it continues to this day. And, you know, I was thinking about when I was sort of preparing for this conversation with you, it was thinking about how whenever I think of networking, that feels laden with expectation to me. I think of all of it as relationship building because when I go in with no expectation, and I only go in with the expectation of building new relationships, getting to know people, understanding what makes them tick, the outcome is 10 times better for all of us, (laughs) not just for me, right, but for everybody. And so that has been my approach from day one. I I love people. So it's easy. (laughs) It's easy for me, right? I mean, I think it's harder for for people who are introverted, but they have their own way of relationship building, right? Oh, yeah. Mine is very extroverted. And Yeah, and just getting in front of groups and asking, and so it's just it's a different approach. But everything in the end is about relationships.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I could not agree more. Even the the way that you recognized when you got to the Las Vegas market that that building relationships was going to be key first to your television career, and then borrowing from those relationships as you moved into more of the corporate track, it makes perfect sense that. Of course, you were a recognizable face, but you obviously had built trust, which allowed those relationships to carry on. And for you then as an an advancement person to actually raise funds, that was key. And you're right. If if the donor doesn't have a relationship with the organization, you're not going to get any of the money. But the fact that they're willing to pick up the phone and then listen to what you have to say and and then make a decision, I think is so critical. And, And I love that you were able to recognize that and then leverage those relationships absolutely so great so talk a little bit about something that you're working on now that that you're especially excited about or that's inspiring you these days
1: well it's a little ironic that you ask that because i'm knee deep relaunching my podcast <laughs> so oh, it's, funny right. about, <laughs> it's funny to talk about it's <laughs> funny to talk about that on your podcast i'm not there yet but i want to use that platform as another form of relationship building, right? Just exactly what we were talking about. I want to provide a platform for entrepreneurs to share their story, to share their struggles, to help people, to help normalize what entrepreneurs deal with on the regular. I'm just kind of laying the groundwork. I used to have a podcast in my former business called Small Biz Power. It still sits on on the, uh, it's a little dormant, right? It's a, it had a little pod fade, as they call it. We,
0: we can just um, dust it off, just dust it off. <laughs> we just dust it off, just dust it <laughs> off and relaunch.
1: So I'm excited to relaunch that just as a way to, like I said, have conversations, provide another platform, just like you do for for entrepreneurs like me.
0: Earlier in the conversation, you were talking about, you know, that dream of entrepreneurship, and you thought that you'd be working less. And of course, that is not what happened. You're working more. I always say that entrepreneurship is like having a child that never ever ever grows up. You just just <laughs> constantly in toddler mode. <laughs> so, oh, that is so like I a, That is a that. vivid picture. Yes, and, and it's picture. true, isn't it? it? Yeah, yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I mean, I I, I think that uh, you know, a podcast to uh, truth tell about what's going on in entrepreneurship, I think, is critical. And entrepreneurship's exciting. So, so I think the the fact that you're focused on that is, is really terrific. In fact, kind of along those lines, what advice do you have for entrepreneurs who face challenges in their work? I mean, you certainly have overcome obstacles as you've moved along and emerged as a stronger leader. So what would you say to an entrepreneur who's kind of going through those struggles today?
1: So I don't know. I'm not sure how this is going to come off. But one of the things that has really helped me, and maybe it's because what I do is I'm helping with a system, but people are also buying an experience with me, right? So. I think one of the best pieces of advice that I have been given is it's not about you. And trying to remember that because there's a lot of rejection that goes along with what we do. And it is easy to ruminate on the, on the objections and the no's and the rejection and get stuck in that as opposed to reframing the universe has my back. I'm going to be brought the clients that I am supposed to work with. I'm not, I'm going to be brought the clients who are a fit for me. I'm an acquired taste anyway, as my coach Shelly Woodrow says, (laughs) I'm an acquired taste. (laughs) So I'm not going to be the right fit for everyone. And remembering that there is somebody for everybody. And in the end, it's not about you. To me, there may be something going on with the potential client. Maybe it's timing. Maybe it's, they have something going on in their lives, but remembering that helps me to stay strong and resilient and i hope it resonates with
0: entrepreneurs too. Mm. That's fabulous advice and it's so true. So true. I mean, thinking about the fact that everybody's sort of carrying their own struggles and and coping with them and they're they're less worried about yours than they are about their own. So you're right, it's not about it's not about us when yeah. it comes to that. <laughs> right? It's so true. great. So yeah. great. Well, so you talked about your coach. Talk about mentorship. Do you you have a mentor? Is there somebody who's had a particular impact on your life, whether personal or professional along the journey?
1: So I have what I call a personal board of directors. (laughs) The people who, right, they hold me accountable. Three sort of factions come to mind with that. First is a longtime friend of mine who's been in the management consulting space for 20 years. He was my coach back when I had my marketing business, and he and I are really close friends. We are cycling partners, so we ride our bikes a ton, and we do that in the early morning hours, and we solve the world's problems on the bike. <laughs> you know, I usually come back feeling like it was sort of therapeutic, right, to have our ride together. So he's definitely on my – his name is Doug Beckley, and he's on my personal board of directors. Also on my personal board of directors is a woman named Caroline Sioka, who was my CEO at the at the nonprofit. She and I are very close. We are now both in the coaching realm, both working as entrepreneurs. And so we chat back and forth about business development, challenges, right? Again, normalizing all of the challenges. And then lastly, I have a group of EOS implementers. Well, we have a community of 722 EOS implementers. So we are never alone, which is fabulous. And we have great ways of communicating. I have a particular group of about five guys that I was in training with. And we've got a text, it's, it's an obnoxious text chain (laughs) (laughs) that is very, very busy. We solve each other's problems. We prop each other up. We provide a little tough love when it's needed and we hold each other accountable. So I couldn't do what I do without my personal board of directors. They are uh, lifelines for me and have helped grow my business and grow me personally. And I think that is really the crux of it, right?
0: Do they? I assume know that they're on your personal board of directors. Have you have you you used that language (laughs) with them? Yeah. No, I but I think that that makes sense. I mean, you may not you may not say you know here's your certificate suitable for framing, but but the truth is they know that you rely on them. They know that you count on them. That they're important important voices in your world. So I, I think that that is phenomenal.
1: And it goes both ways right? So they're on my board of directors, I'm on their board of directors, right? So we're helping each other, which I think is just so, again, I think that's the hardest part of being an entrepreneur is that, you know, it's lonely. So as much as you can surround yourself with these people who lift you up and make you better, you're just gonna, you're just gonna soar.
0: Well, and that is phenomenal advice. I mean, in fact, you know, you're talking about Caroline and and how you both Sort of ended up in, in the coaching world and serve as one another's peers. you talked it was Doug who is your cycling partner you've found ways to incorporate them and involve them in your personal life and your professional life and, and I think that for most of us, I think it's better if we if we don't make those two lives so discreet that they're really just one in the same it's just one life, right mm-hmm.
1: It's not balance, it's integration.
0: Exactly, so true. So true <laughs> I will so- say
1: that I stole that.
0: I like it. I like it. I think you can coin it. We'll just say we heard it here first. I, <laughs> I think it's it. great. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's great. So well, so you talked about cycling. How did you get into cycling? What does that? What does that look like for you? How does it factor into your daily life?
1: Oh, it's a lifesaver for me, Alana. Many years ago, I started doing long story. I went to the police academy when I was in television news for three weeks to really tell the story of what it's like to become a police recruit. And I want to. won a really prestigious award for that story. It was a five-part series. It toughened me up. It's paramilitary. So it toughened me up in ways that I, I had a personal transformation as a result of doing that story in journalism. And so as a result, I was challenging myself more physically. And so I found out of that experience, I found triathlons. So back in my late twenties, throughout my thirties, I was doing triathlons—so swim, bike, and run—and then I got married and had a child, and so <laughs> that stuff sort of fell by the wayside. But um, what I—I've never stopped doing is riding my bike. I get clarity, I get time away, I get time outdoors, I get challenged up hills, right? And I have my personal board of directors with me to to uh, kick me into gear. So that is part of my life that will never go away. It is important for me from a mental health standpoint and from a performance standpoint to make sure that I make time. It's like church for me in some respects. It's really yeah, important. No, it's
0: spiritual, religious, all those things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that that's, that's really, it, I mean, it's great advice. It's a, it's a great lesson. And, you know, you you talked about your son. It's a great thing for him to see you doing, you know, that, that yeah. kind of that mind, body, spirit, that they're all in alignment to the degree possible. So that's great.
1: We get to mountain bike together sometimes too, he and I. So that's kind of fun for us. (laughs) It's great. So great.
0: So great. You know, I want to go back to something you said, you were talking about your personal board of directors and you made a comment that, you know, sometimes they have to share some tough love, but they kind of hold that mirror up to you. How have you reacted to that leverage that use that to propel yourself forward?
1: So, I love to give feedback, but receiving is never easy. It doesn't matter who you are, right? I think sometimes what happens, I move very quickly. I'm just one of those people who I, I, sometimes I, I move before I think. Um, it's always been how I've been, right? It's, 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 the, it's part of my success. It's part of my curse, right? Because I have to unwind things sometimes when I'm moving too quickly, so that happens sometimes when I receive advice or when I receive feedback that I don't want to hear. I sometimes will shut it out for a second and then when I really step back and listen and take it in, to be in the right mind frame to take it in, then I can do something with it. Sometimes it just it takes me a minute <laughs> to absorb what's being said, right? Because it's not easy sometimes to hear that maybe I went the wrong path or Maybe I should have thought about this. Fortunately, I have people around me who are masterful at delivering feedback. So I'm much more receptive because of the way that it is delivered. But it has there have been points, and I can't think of anything specific, but there have been points in my journey where I've been like, I don't I don't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah. And then I've and then I've taken a couple of days and come back and been like, man, I guess I needed to hear that. I really needed to hear that and I really needed to take it in maybe I just wasn't ready for it.
0: Well, I mean, first of all, you know that it's coming from a place of love because of who it's coming from. So that's useful. And the fact that you know that you need to process and kind of marinate on it before you do something with it. it yeah. Feedback stuff. No, none of us like feedback it. Right? Okay. <laughs> and, and, and frankly, as an EOS implementer, maybe that's useful for you so that you know how people are going to take your feedback in and, and process it them, themselves, right? So actually, mm-hmm. I think that that is such a useful commentary. So I appreciate you sharing that. I, You know, there's one question I ask every guest and it's my very favorite question. So I have to ask you as well. <laughs> if you could sit down for a cup of coffee with anybody, living, not living, fictional, non-fictional, who would it be and why?
1: So mine would be uh, Joe Montana.
0: Oh, ah, nice.
1: Random. So back in, I grew up in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area. And back in the 80s, my dad and I, we watched the 49ers faithfully, San Francisco 49ers. Um, We watched them go to several Super Bowls. We watched the era of Joe Montana, Steve Young. I loved Joe Montana and I loved how he worked with his coach, Bill Walsh. And what I would love to do is sit down with Joe Montana and find out I I would love to learn about the leadership lessons that came from that golden era of the 49ers. What was it about Bill Walsh's coaching? Because he's known, right, for for his quality, high-quality leadership and coaching. What was it about that combination that made them so successful? And what could we as entrepreneurs Learn from them and take back into our businesses to be even more successful. To work better with people, to elevate our teams. I just would kill for that opportunity.
0: Oh, that is so fun! So fun. (laughs) As a, you know, I thought you were talking about Joe Montana, the great Kansas City Chief, but you know, of course, we have our, we have our, uh, (laughs) we have our Patrick Mahomes now. So
1: (laughs) yes, you do. (laughs) That's hilarious.
0: I forgot he went there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but but I, I do love that that's who you want to meet. So that's fabulous. So fabulous. Well, Nina Raditic, it has been a blast having you on Enterprising Podcast. Where can our listeners go to learn more about you and about your EOS practice?
1: So easiest way would be to email me. And I've got the complicated name, right? So Nina.Ratatich. It'll be in the show notes. Nina.Ratatich at EOSWorldwide.com. Nina.Ratatich at EOSWorldwide.com
0: fabulous. Nina, thanks so much for being on Enterprising Podcast.
1: Thank you. This was a blast.
0: Thanks for joining us this week on Enterprising. Be sure to visit our website, enterprisebank.com slash podcast to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. If you found value in today's program, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or telling a friend about us. Enterprising, powering business leaders, one conversation at a time. The views expressed by enterprising presenters or guests are those of the presenter or guest and not necessarily of Enterprise Bank & Trust or its affiliates. All content of this podcast and any related materials are for informational purposes only. Enterprise Bank and Trust does not make any warranty, express or implied, including warranties of merchantability and fitness for a particular purpose, and specifically disclaims any legal liability or responsibility for the accuracy, completeness, or usefulness of any information presented. Enterprise Bank and Trust is not under any obligation to update or correct any information provided in this podcast. All statements and opinions are subject to change without notice.